Well, good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor. And it's so good to have you guys with us here today. Man, it's going to be a good day. It's already been a good day at the Gathering Church. Uh, What a great time of worship we've already had this morning. Uh, If it's your first time joining us, we're so glad you're here. Let Let me be about the fifth or sixth person to tell you welcome and you're in the right place this morning. Uh, we, we hope you have a blast. Well, uh, I got a couple things I need to share with you today before we get into the message. First, uh, one, I'm also very excited that we're turning three years old as a church. Our terrible twos are finally over. And if you're a parent of toddlers, you know it's all a lie. It's all terrible. And so, uh, just kidding. I love my daughter. She's awesome. She's actually watching this morning. Because uh, she's sick. She's got a little tummy bug. Another one of the many joys of parenting. Well, uh, so our three-year anniversary is next Sunday, and I just need to reiterate, do not miss it. We are working hard to plan a great birthday party for next Sunday. It's going to be fun. There's going to be some creative stuff. We'll share some vision and, and just celebrate what God's done in the last three years. I mean, it's remarkable. Uh, to think. And so we hope to see you for that. Also, today is a big day because we are starting life group signups. Life group signups start today, and we are so excited for that. Man, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about it like basically the whole sermon today. So prepare yourself if you were thinking you wouldn't do a life group this year. It's going to be a hard one today. But man, I'm telling you, I just feel like if you're not in a life group at the Gathering Church, you're missing out on the best thing we have to offer. Get in community, make some friends, build some lifelong relationships, and join a life group. You can do that today at the website right here. Uh, Go to gatherashville.org and click join a life group. It's that easy. Listen, if you've been on the fence still about leading a life group, it's not too late. Just because we've started signups, let me encourage you. Let me push you off the fence. Uh, we would love to have you lead a group if you've got some experience in it and, or, or you've never done it before. If you've got a really clean house all the time or if there is a pile of laundry on your kitchen table right now, you're still perfect for leading a life group. You can lead it any way you want because honestly, we're about putting people together and building community around Jesus. I don't care if it's a tennis life group or if you're studying the entire book of Revelation. We'd love to have you lead. We're having our life group training event this week, so today would be a great time to sign up if you haven't yet. And then the last thing that I want to share with you is that 21 days of prayer is entering its last week. 21 days of prayer and and fasting those of you who've been fasting with me, uh, we're, we're tra- you, the end is in sight. You can do it. Uh, you're doing great. I know you're learning a lot through this process that God is stretching you, that you're learning to say no to some physical things so you can say yes to some spiritual things. And, and we're turning the corner one more week to go lean into it, really trust God and and, and dig into the prayer times. It's going to be an incredible week for us. This has already been an amazing season of prayer. We've already heard so many stories of breakthrough and healing and, and just all of it. And so uh, I hope you'll join us next Saturday at 9 a.m. at Seacoast for our final prayer service. We had one yesterday. It was powerful. I mean, God just moves. When we, when we are, are, as the body of Christ, together in prayer in one space, the Holy Spirit is there. You can feel Him. He's moving. It's powerful. Don't miss the last one next Saturday. Okay, well today, we are wrapping up this series uh, called Uphill 
habits. And next week we'll do Vision Sunday, and then after that we're starting a brand new series uh, called How to Be Social Without Media. How to Be Social Without Media, all about how we build relationships and what it looks like in our culture today to have the kind of relationships we were made to have. So I'm excited about that, but today we're wrapping up this series on habit. Now, we, we all uh, start off the year with some pretty big aspirations for what's going to happen in the new year. We make resolutions, we resolve to change things, we're looking forward to seeing something different at the end of the year, but what happens a lot of time is between January and December, we end up with the same thing we've always got. And the reason for that is we have the same habits we've always had. We have uphill hopes and downhill habits. We are working for the outcome we're currently getting. And so it's time this year to shift our habits, to do something different, to do something new, and to begin to develop in us some habits that are going to bring us to a brand new place at the end of 2019, somewhere better than we've ever dreamed of, and step into the purpose and the life that God has called us to. And so uh, in week number one, we talked about the principle of priority and habit number one, which was to focus on what I do first. We talked about how important it is to be careful about what we do first. Habit number two was control my thoughts. Your thought life directs every action that you take, every place that you go. And so we want to learn this year to control our thoughts. Habit number three last week was align my life with my purpose. It's my favorite one. My story of coming into a relationship with Jesus is centered around this idea of purpose in life, and so it connects with me. If, if you've missed any of these and you're just going to go back and watch one, if you've missed all of them and you're just going to go back and watch one, watch last week's. Watch habit number three. Let's learn together to align our life with our purpose. And then today, as we finish up, Habit number four is to choose my relationships carefully. To choose my relationships carefully. This one's going to tie into our next series. I want to talk about relationships today. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I am who I am today because of the people who have been in my life. If you don't believe me, go to counseling. The first thing your counselor is going to ask you about is the formative relationships in your life. We are a result of the relationships that we've had. Proverbs 27, 19 says, A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. Who we choose to spend our life with, to give our, our time to, says a lot about us. I believe the most important decisions that you're going to make in your life are decisions about relationships. Our relationships matter. Family, friends, romantic relationships, mentors, all of our primary relationships, they influence and shape us in a major way. So we've got to choose them carefully because when we choose our friends, we choose our future. Here's four verbs. I want to give us four verbs this morning for how we can uh, choose our relationships carefully in this new year. Number one is nurture. Nurture. Nurture important relationships. We've got to learn to spend time 
and put work into the relationships in our lives. Relationships require work. We are only in healthy relationships when we are in healthy relationships on purpose. We've got to work at it, maintain it, and nurture it. Your friendships will never go beyond the surface if you don't nurture them. If you've struggled in your life to have deep friendships, to have someone you consider a best friend, a friend that you really go through life with, we've got to learn to nurture it, to spend time on the relationship, to ask questions. I'm the worst at asking questions, terrible at it. I'll go spend eight hours of my day with a friend doing something, and I'll come home, and my wife, Raelle, she'll be like, well, how, how are, how's their family doing? And I'll say, mm, I don't know, I don't know. And she'll say, well, how's their new job going? And I'll say, I'm, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know. And she'll say, well, how, how's the new house they moved into? And I'll say, I'm, I don't know, I don't know. And she'll say, what would you guys talk about? And I'll say, mm, I don't know. I've got a gift. I can spend time with people all day and never really talk about anything that matters unless I'm intentional about it. I've got to learn how to ask questions, to, to, to learn how to take the conversation a little bit deeper. If I'm really going to build a relationship with somebody, I've got to be intentional. I've got to give it time and I've got to ask questions. Married people, your marriage needs to be nurtured constantly and consistently. Your relationship, your marriage, got to the condition that it is currently in based on how well you and or your spouse nurtured it. We get what we work for. I heard a, a phrase, you know, that, that in, in relation to a friend of mine whose marriage was ending. And I asked, why, why did this happen? What, what, what was the problem? What kind of led you to this place? And his answer was, well, the fire just went out. It, you know, it was just the fire went out in our marriage. And I honestly, and I told him this, that I, I feel like when you say that your relationship is ending because the fire went out, is like blaming an actual fire dying on the fireplace. Whenever you see a romantic movie or something and somebody's all curled up underneath a blanket in front of a fire, that is a work of fiction. That's not how fireplaces work. They can't stay under that blanket for long. It won't be 10 minutes. They're going to have to get up and they're going to have to poke that fire a little bit. Work it. They're going to have to turn the logs over. you got to go outside, put your coat on, and get a couple more logs and come in and throw them on the fire. If you want a fire to actually burn well, if you want it to do what it's supposed to do, it requires constant work and attention. It's why most of us have gas fireplaces now. It was too much work. I got bad news. There's no gas fireplaces for your marriage. If you want it to thrive, if you want it to grow, if you want to have the marriage you dreamed about having, you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to tend the fire. There was a season when we first started this church where I did not properly nurture my marriage. I've been thinking a lot about those early days as we get up to our third birthday. and You know, it's, uh, it may look easy at this point, but it's still not. And it is very hard to start a church. It was a season of a lot of work. And I worked long hours and, 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 and was constantly, if I was with my wife, my head was, was somewhere else because I was solving problems that didn't exist yet. And, um, in that same season, we had our first child and our world got flipped upside down. And Raelle was struggling with severe postpartum depression. 
in the months that followed. And as we got into that season where I was learning to lead a church for the first time and get it off the ground, Rail struggling with this and doesn't know how to, how to talk about it or how to heal from it or what, what to do next. And we're trying to figure out how to be parents. Neither of us were nurturing our marriage very well. And we paid a price for it. We got to a place where we couldn't have a conversation without tension. Where we just didn't enjoy time that we were spending together. I mean, it was the only time in my whole marriage that I can look back and just say we were not happy. It was not good. And it happened because nobody was nurturing the relationship. We had to do some hard things in the months that followed. Once we came to that realization, we went to counseling. For months we were in counseling. Listen, don't let anybody ever tell you that marriage counseling is a last resort. It should be your first line of defense. If you've gotten your relationship to a place where it's not been nurtured and it's hurting and and you don't know how to fix it yourself, don't keep trying to fix it yourself. Invite somebody else into the process. It's not, it's not shameful or embarrassing to go to counseling. It's a sign of strength, I believe. So we leaned into counseling, and in that season, we had to learn all kinds of new rhythms for our marriage. We had to learn how to nurture it better. We had to learn how to communicate with one another, which was something we'd never been very good at. I had to learn how to speak her language. She had to learn how to speak my language. Sometimes I feel like getting married is like moving into the house with somebody who doesn't speak the same language as you. I speak English. She speaks Russian, right? They don't even use the same letters. We've got to try to figure this out. And once we get that, get that healthy rhythm together, then you still have to constantly nurture and maintain. This is how relationships work. Relationships require work, but it is worth it. We've got to nurture the relationship. We've got to lean in. The other way, if, if you're in need of, of nurturing or help getting back on track with your marriage, is to go find somebody who has what you want and invite them into your life. Build relationships. Build relationships. Gone are the days where that was a normal thing for us to do. Now, what, what happens, I think, culturally, culturally, is we begin to resent people that have the marriage that we wish we had. Or we resent the people that have the life that we wish that we had. Listen, those people are not your adversaries. They can be your greatest allies. Invite them in and ask them to pour into you. That was what Rael and I did, and it made all the difference. We've got to lean in and nurture the relationship. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. In other words, we need to learn to love each other well because we are not always going to get it right. But if we can love and nurture the relationship well enough, it's going to be covered when we don't. Which brings me to the next verb. Sometimes we need to restore broken relationships. Restore broken relationships. Okay, there's a disclaimer here. Because I know not every relationship can be restored. Sometimes it's out of your control. Sometimes you've tried before and they're not listening. They don't want to restore the relationship. I understand that. Or sometimes it's not safe to restore a broken relationship. I understand that. So let's just talk about the things that we can control today. Let's talk about the ones that we can still fight for. Because our response when people hurt us is usually to try and hurt them back. Or to clap back with some statement as harmful as theirs was to us. Or even just to cut them out of our lives because that's what's easier. 
Romans chapter 12, 17 and 18 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let's focus on the ones that depend on us. As far as it depends on you. You can't make other people choose to restore the relationship. But as far as it depends on you, offer peace in your relationships. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Unforgiveness, holding that inside of us against somebody else, is like setting yourself on fire and hoping that the other person dies of smoke inhalation. It's not helping you. We think sometimes that keeping this person in a place of bitterness in our hearts like we've got them in a cage that they can't get out of. But the only thing that we're building walls around is our ability to connect with others. It's time to start digging out that bitterness and restore broken relationships. And there's another side to this. We need to restore the broken relationships in our lives, but sometimes it's time to sever the harmful relationships. Now, here's another disclaimer, because listen to what I'm saying. I don't mean the ones that really matter, your mother, your father, your, your wife, your spouse. If your spouse, if your marriage is what you would call a harmful relationship, then you two need to see somebody. You need to go to a counselor, and you need to make a plan to move forward in healing. What I'm talking about is the relationships that you don't have to keep at the center of your life, that you know are not good for you. Like a coworker who you share harmless flirtations with at work. They're not harmless. Every affair has started with a harmless interaction. Or a Facebook or Instagram friend who you've been messaging. Maybe it's an ex-boyfriend, an ex-girlfriend that you've been messaging online. And it feels harmless. But you wouldn't want your spouse to find out about it. If there's any relationship you have in your life that you would not want your spouse to find out about, it is a problem. Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 are all about the dangers of adultery and following the adulterous person, keeping a relationship with the adulterous person. You need to get as far away from these kinds of relationships as possible. It's not harmless. It will destroy your life. It's not harmless, it will hurt the people you care about. There is no such thing as a harmless flirtation with somebody that is not your spouse. It's time to sever these relationships. Maybe this is something different for you. Maybe it means letting go of friends that take you to places you don't need to go. Maybe you already have some names floating through your head. Is the minute that you get around them, you change into somebody else. Somebody that is not the best version of you. Maybe it's time to shift the influences in your life. And to build some good influences and let go of some of the bad influences. Some of our relationships are worth fighting for and some are worth letting go. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You get the wrong influences in your life, and it does not matter how good your character is. It can be corrupted. Some of our friendships we need to let go. Now, I'm not saying 
that as followers of Jesus, we shouldn't have anyone in our lives who are not followers of Jesus. I think you should. If you don't have any friends who aren't Christians, you need to go make some and invest in those relationships. But you need to make sure that you are the one influencing them for good, not the other way around. We need to understand who has influence over us and who we're able to have influence over and choose our relationships wisely. Last note on this one. If you're currently in a dating relationship and you are trying to put your life forward and follow Jesus, if you're trying to step into the purpose He created you with, if you're trying to put Him first in your life and you're dating somebody who is not a follower of Jesus, not interested, not going there, it doesn't matter if they're a good person. It doesn't matter that you can see their heart and you know it's good. I don't... I. It does not matter. It's time to let that relationship go. I've seen it too many times. Too many people close to me that they were good for each other, it seemed, in chemistry. But if you are following Jesus, it should be at the center of your entire worldview. And people with opposing worldviews aren't compatible romantically. Over and over again, I've had people sit in my office for counseling. Had family, people that I care about I mean, I just watched the pain happen. If you are still dating, you're not married, and that person has a different worldview than you do, it's time to move forward. Fourth thing, now that I've turned all of them against me, initiate meaningful relationships. Initiate meaningful relationships relationships. We need to build the kind of relationships in our lives that are going to help grow us and change us and transform us into the person we were created to be. God has a dream for your life. He's got a plan for you. When he formed you, he knew everything in you that would make you who you are. All the gifts, all the passions were placed there on purpose. And God has a dream for your life out of those passions. And he wants you to get to that place. It's bigger than anything you've ever asked or imagined. And I'm just telling you, there are people that you will help you move closer to this dream that, it, that God has for your life. If you've never been in a life group before, it's time to join a life group and initiate some meaningful relationships. And the good news is, sign-ups start today. Isn't that great? What a coincidence. It's almost like we planned it this way. It's time to initiate some meaningful relationships. Go find a group that works for you and dig into it. Get real with people. Make some relationships that are going to move you closer to who you're meant to be, not further away. We need to choose our relationships carefully. So get in an environment where you'll be able to cultivate the right ones. My advice is to go and sign up for a bunch of life groups that interest you and then pick one that you love, that you connect with the people in and just commit to it. By like week two, don't do this for six weeks. For like, by like week two, pick one, commit to it, move your schedule around it and be there every single week. Do the homework. Get people's phone numbers. If you go through a whole semester of life group and the contacts in your phone have not changed, you've missed it. This is an environment 
for us to cultivate relationships in. What we've tried to do at the Gathering Church is create environments to make these things possible that we want us to walk down, this path that we want to walk down, to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Each one of those things, we've worked hard to create an environment where you can cultivate it, but we can't do it for you. You're going to have to do the work. Get in a life group and start to build the right kind of relationships. Let's make a habit out of choosing the, re- the right relationships in 2019. Here's how we master it. Here's how we master this habit. Number one, develop my relationship with my church. You need a church that is my church, that is my church that you belong in, that you are a part of, that you've got some skin in the game with. It's time to stop spectating, to stop watching, and to get involved. There are at least 30 verses in the New Testament alone attached to promises that you cannot do if you are not a member, a part of the local church. You were not made to follow Jesus alone. Ephesians 2.19 says, Now that you're no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. This is a family that we get to be a part of, and it is meant to be unlike anything else you've ever experienced. So be a member of it. A real member, not just an attender. We don't have traditional church membership at the gathering church. We've tried to make everything as uncomplicated as we can here. We don't want it to be like a country club where you've got to jump through a bunch of hoops in order to join. You can join right now. All you have to do is just decide, I'm going to be a member of this place. And if this isn't a good fit for you, just send me an email. I've got several friends in this city I'd love to connect you with. I just want you to have a church that is my church, a local church, a place where you can really belong and be a part of, a family, a body. Paul calls it a body in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 20. I love this passage. He says, now about... Mm, there it is, verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit to make one body, Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. But even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So the foot should say, now if the foot should say, because I am a hand, I do not belong because I am not a hand I'm struggling to read today I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body and if the ear should say because I am not an eye I don't belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body if the whole body were an eye where would the sense of hearing be if the whole body were an ear where would the sense of smell be listen the whole church can't be a pastor it can't be a worship leader It's got to be all of us working together, using the gifts we have to be one body accomplishing the dream of Christ in our city. 
The church is called the bride of Christ, but it's all of us together. One body, all of our gifts joined together to move forward in the dream that God has for this city through His local church. Don't just watch, be a part of it. Be a part of it. Join and be a part. We're a body and we need each other. You've got gifts that we need. So let's do it together. Second, develop my relationship with close friends. We're going to choose our relationships carefully by making some close friends this year. This is how the followers of Jesus established the church in the first century. They would meet together like this on Sunday morning and and they would worship together in large settings varying from just a few people, a couple dozen to a few thousand in some of the big cities. And then they would go out and all week long they would go through life together. They would share life with one another. They'd gather in small groups and study God's word and worship together. And and then they would just go through life's trials and, and life celebrations together. And it was an unbelievable, unstoppable force. The church has never grown like it did in that first century. And I think a big part of it is how well they did life together. How well they did community with one another. Acts chapter 2 tells the story, verse 44 through 47. It says, All the believers met together constantly and shared everything with one another, selling their possessions and dividing with those in need. They worshipped together regularly at the temple each day, met in small groups and homes for communion, and shared their meals with great joy and thankfulness, praising God. And the whole city was favorable to them. And every day God added to their numbers those who were being saved. They kept growing and growing and growing because of how well they were doing life together. Life change happens in real life-giving community. And it's infectious because it's what we're made for. Everybody's out there trying to find their own community, trying to find deeper relationships. Loneliness is so pervasive in our culture today because this is something that we've forgotten how to do and we've tried to make it, make a a facsimile of it outside of a relationship with Jesus inside the local church. Real community only exists in the local church and you need this kind of community. You've got a, a desire for it inside of you. And so it's time to get in the church. I think if there's two things in this series that we can learn to do, it's to align our life with our purpose and with the community of Jesus. If we can just lean in on these two things, our whole year is going to be different. Here's the key to doing this well and building a relationship with close friends once we've made them. Be real. Be vulnerable. Take the mask off. We all need a friend, somebody that we can take the mask off with. And I mean all the way. Some of us have like six masks on, depending on how close we think we are. You've got one that's got a little bit of dirt on it, you know. One's kind of a little bit ugly, shows a little bit of more of who you are. We, we tell them a little bit, one story about a crazy thing we did when we were 19, right? Or maybe we let them in a little of the way. We give them a, a small version of what we struggle with instead of the whole picture. I mean, it's time to really show them you're ugly. To just take the mask off all the way and let somebody see who you really are. We need a friend like that. I've got people in my life that I can take the whole mask off with and I need them. 
I need those relationships. They refuel me. They keep me accountable. They, ha- they help me to move closer to the version of me that I want to be. And I want that for you today. So here's the next steps on this one. Join a life group. Then take it deeper. Dig in and take the mask off and let somebody really get to know you. Ask them questions. Give it time and develop relationships with good friends. The third thing is we need to develop my relationship with a team. Develop my relationship with a team. We need to get on a team. We're a part of the body, and that doesn't just mean that we need to make sure that we're all together in worship. It means we need to use our gifts together with a team. You need a team. Some of the closest relationships that people have at the Gathering Church, they built on the dream team. The higher the commitment, the greater the relationships. Our kids' team love each other. They have so much fun back there. I, I Actually, this morning, one of my friends, Mackie, she was sick and couldn't go serving kids. And I came walking over there, and she was standing at the huddle after being told, you're sick, you can't serve in kids. Does it make you feel good, parents, to let, let you know that we don't let sick people hold your children? And um, I'm sorry, Mackie, I'm calling you out like this. I should have asked her. But she's standing over there looking like a sad puppy. And I was like, Mackie, why are you so sad? And she was like, I was just told I can't. I can't go serve because I'm sick. You know why she was bummed out? Because she wanted to be with her team, her people, the, the people that she wants to serve beside and work with. Emily Williams is one of our kids' workers, and she's incredible and has poured so much into that ministry, and she's about to have a baby. And just this week, all of her team members showed up at her house with a mountain of diapers. Look at this. They couldn't get in their home, bless their hearts. Let's hope there was another entrance. That one's unusable. You need a team to come around you, to get beside you in these seasons. It's what you need. I love coming into this church, into this, into this building on Sunday mornings and seeing my team. I just I remember when I first started serving at a church, um, I had served actually at a church a lot, but in, when I was 25 years old was when I really went all in. There's a church called Echo Church out in San Jose, California. And, uh, and I didn't really know like where to be, and so I started out on the greeting team because I was like, I could tell people hi. But it got to a place where I remember I was getting in trouble with my greeting team leader because I was having so much fun with my greeting team members. We all actually ended up started, we started to come early to serve because we wanted to have time to goof off before we actually went in to go be a part of the team. We would stay late because we wanted to have time to goof off. And those guys that I was serving with on that team are still some of my best friends. I ended up serving in students and eventually leading that student ministry at Echo Church. And man, some of the team members that I served with in those days are still some of my very best friends in the world. Brian this is going to come up here and lead us in worship in our last song today. And he's up here playing guitar all the time. I met him on my team, serving students in California. We, we became such close friends that he and his family moved out from California to help us start this church three years ago. His wife, Sarah, is my wife's best friend. I mean, You just got to get on a team. You need to start to build a relationship with a team. This morning I walked in and just started to see my people. My team was here and I just was so excited. I want to tell you that my favorite part about Sunday mornings is the preaching. 
you know, always has been. It's just not. It's the people. It's the people that I get to serve with, to be with, to hang around, that lift me up and just make me feel full on a Sunday morning, getting around people, excited to serve in their purpose, to, to help other people experience Jesus. There's something special in it. Get on a team. Maybe you know what your purpose is. And you know what your gifting is. And you use it to serve people and honor God. But instead of doing it with a team, you've been doing it all by yourself. Ecclesiastes 4, 8 through 9 tells a sad story. It says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he said. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? And this too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Just everything's better with somebody else. If you, you don't see the same return. Alone, serving in your purpose, you can make a difference. You can. God wired you that way. But together and with a team, we can make an impact. Join the team. Next week is Growth Track Step 1. Growth Track is just our clear avenue to help you join the Dream Team. Make a plan next week to be here for 12.30 p.m. at Growth Track Step 1 and get on the team. Last thing is this. Develop my relationship with God. This is the most important way to master this habit because your relationship with God will lift every other relationship in your life. The closer you get to Him, the more it will infiltrate every other relationship in your life. We've got to get closer to God. No matter where you are right now, move a step closer. If you would consider yourself to have a strong prayer life and scripture study and a close walk with your Father, I'd encourage you just to, just to work to move closer wherever you are. Move it a step closer. Set a goal. Get a step closer. Maybe you've been in 21 days of prayer with us. And it's the first time you've consistently, every day, gotten up to pray. And, and you're kind of, we're, we're getting towards the end of this 21 days of prayer. And you're looking forward to sleeping in again. You know, you're thinking, I can't wait to sleep till 7, 7.30. Some people even sleep till 9. I don't, I don't know who they are, but some people do. I would encourage you, don't do that. Keep getting up. Keep waking up early, meeting God at the beginning of your day. Keep giving Him the first of your day. Keep moving closer. We, we make this prayer season 21 days for a couple reasons. One of them is because it takes 21 days to build a habit. The habit's built. Lean into it. Pray every day. Move closer and closer to Him. A relationship requires communication. It's the truth. You don't talk to your spouse, you're not, your relationship's going to suffer. you got to talk to God. Give Him the opportunity to speak back to you through Scripture. Do it every single day, and every relationship in your life will be lifted, will increase, will get better and better and better, I promise you. And go all in on it. Don't do this a little bit. Here's how you can change your life completely in 2019. Go all in. All in on your relationship with Jesus. All in with his bride, the church. Give it one year and go all in. Do everything that we ask. 
Lean into it. Join the dream team. Go through growth track and commit to the team. Say yes when you get scheduled. Build relationships on the team. Go join a life group or lead a life group and commit to it. Be there every week. Do the homework. Get people's phone numbers. Start to connect with people. Get into this. Be a part of it. Be here every Sunday. And when you worship, come in and worship. Let yourself just lift your praise up to the King of Kings. Give all of yourself to Him just for a few short moments on Sunday. Listen, worship is just an expression of gratitude for everything that He is and everything that He's done. He loves our worship. Let Him have it on a Sunday morning and then come and listen to the message and take notes and go out that week and exercise the application. Do whatever it is. Just lean into it for a year. Go all in and give it everything you've got. I promise you, nothing will ever be the same. I said that in first service. And afterwards, one of my friends came up to me and said, you know, I, I started coming here in April last year, right, right after Easter. And you preached that message, that, that go all in, give it one year. And it's not quite been a year yet. We're about 10 months in. And my life is completely different than it was in April of last year. I've done it. I've gone all in. She's on the dream team. She serves selflessly. She's committed to life groups. She's built friendships that she'll take with her for the rest of her life. And Jesus is changing her from the inside out. And that can be your story. Lean into it. Don't do it a little bit. You can't try God. Maybe you've been in church all your life and you've never seen the outcomes that we talk about from the stage. Could be because you've allowed church to be a part of your life. You've allowed Jesus to be a part of your life, not the center of your life. That'd be like going to the orthodontist with crooked teeth and saying, I need braces. I got crooked teeth. But listen, I don't want you to glue them on. Okay. I want you to just just kind of stick them on there, use some bubble gum or something like that. That way I can take them off when I don't want them. You know what will happen a year later? You're still going to have crooked teeth and your gums will be all cut up. Church is the same way. We got to lean in. You got to commit to it. You got to give it everything you've got. Jesus said something similar to his disciples in Luke 9, 57 through 62. It said, as they were going along the road, somebody said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to the other, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. And as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another also said, I will follow you, Lord. But first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one. After putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You can't go in a little bit. You can't keep one foot in the world and one foot at the cross. You got to do this all the way. I want freedom for you in 2019. I want breakthrough for you in 2019. I want purpose for you in 2019. I want you to feel everything that you've always longed for. I want satisfaction in this life for you, joy for you, peace for you. But it's not going to happen if you just do it a little bit. You got to go all in. I was raised in the church and, and I grew up going to church and being a part of it. When I was young, I walked the aisle and said the sinner's prayer. 
But here's the thing. I remember thinking that I'm going to do this just in case. I'm going to keep this in my life just in case. But I still want to do what I want to do. I want to have the life that I want for myself. And I kept some for me. And over time I became frustrated when I wasn't receiving the peace and the joy that they said on the stage I could have. And I left the church and I was angry and I blamed them. But later I realized that the church wasn't the problem, I was the problem. And so I gave everything I had. I'll never forget the moment. I was in the Coast Guard underway and I was in a room on the ship down in the center. It was leaky and wet. And I got down on my face and said, God, everything I've got from this moment forward is yours. I give it to you. I lay my life at your feet. All my dreams are yours. My passions are yours. My gifts are yours, God. Wherever you say go, I'll go. Whatever you say do, I'll do. Father, you get me all of me. Not a little bit, every single part. And ever since that day, it has not always been easy. There's been trials. There's been difficult moments. There's been suffering, but in the middle of all of it, I've had satisfaction like I can't describe to you. I've had joy and peace like I can't describe to you. I know that I'm moving in the direction I'm supposed to go because I've given Him every single part of me. This wasn't my dream. Sorry, it wasn't. I thought I was going to do something else. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought I'd never be a pastor. God said, go be a pastor. And I've never regretted it for one second. Never for one second. Go all in. Give him everything you've got. See what happens next. See what happens next. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek him with all your heart. It's all or nothing. Go all in. And he will be the habit that you keep. I leave you with Ephesians 3, 20 through 21 this morning. The greatest benediction there is. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in, in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are and for what your dreams are for us, God. And God, we thank you so much for your bride, for the church, God, for somewhere to belong, for somebody to go through it with. So Lord, we just... We submit our relationships to you, God. Every relationship in our life, we lay it at your feet. God, let us use them to honor you, to get closer to you, to, to bring other people closer to you. God, I just ask that you would bless those relationships. For every person in this room who came in here today in desire and uh, longing for community, God, let them find it here. Let them find it in this place, God. Let the people who will be with them for good be here, Lord. And, and Lord, I ask that you would just help them, help us, help me to build the right relationships, to nurture them, to move forward in them, and to get closer and closer to the dreams that you have for us, Lord. We love you so much. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.